Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. And hello again, gardening friends. We really hope you've survived this past week. We've got one more week to get through. Bless all of us, I say. We are ready to go. We've got Kerry Mason uh, looking after you when you phone in today. And our researcher, John Glidden, is ready to assist as always. Now, you do know a number, but I'm going to give it to you, 94841927. And also our gardening email address is gardening at curtainfm.com.au. And a top of the morning to both Alan Simons and his PA, Peter Kelly, for kicking off the weekend in perfect nostalgic style and our cycling dj jim crinan presented the cycling wrap-up just now and he will return at 10 a.m with the classic 60s for you Faye, how have you been how have you coped young lady well i got some housework done this week right yeah yeah what can we say <laughs> i sorted yeah. uh some of my bird photos found Found more birds in the garden i, I saw you were busy birding mm. yes. yes birding and beetling Yes, so, okay, okay. There's a lot to be seen out in the garden, day and night at the moment. Yeah. So what else can you do? I wander around quite a bit. I've been doing a lot of hand watering. And that's yes. often when you, you see, see and you become aware. Mm, mm. Yeah, no, it's been it's difficult times for everybody. We know that. It's difficult for us as well uh, with these temperatures. and We're not going to run out of things to talk about, we, are we, we Ray? We will not. We will not at all today. And we're chatting to Eddie... Way, way on. Way on is the way to pronounce it from the Wildlife Society, WA. He's our wildlife warrior. A wild, yes, I call him a wildflower warrior wild because flower. he his interest is our native plants mm. and he's written some books yeah. which are a fantastic guide for, for people out in mm. the springtime looking at plants or any other mm. time of the year and we just have such an abundance of native plants and as you said earlier, Ray, with this weather, if people don't turn to native plants now, <laughs> when will they? They can't help you. But even they yeah. are struggling. Yeah, exactly. So these are yeah, these temperatures are not they're not designed for anything. But um, when we chat to Eddie, we are going to cover Kenhurst Park as well and what goes on there. I do believe through the Wildlife Society you can actually attend uh, little tours and walks through there. You can, which would be yes. wonderful. And at five past nine, Lynn Chambers, uh, tulips with a difference. We're talking summer flowering bulbs. And uh, let's talk about uh, autumn and spring. <laughs> that will suit me as well, because I reckon summer's gone. But we'll see what uh, Lynn can uh, tell us and also looking after our, our bulbs and what we need to know. Well, recently I got a catalogue in the mail, so you oh, know, it's, it's, happening. it's a good job to do yeah, on a hot, hot summer's day, day isn't Choose it? Kick bulbs. back and, yeah. and think ahead. And that's yeah. the thing. One of the things that we need to do as gardeners is look ahead yeah. and plan ahead. Yeah. 
Yeah. How is your garden coping? In oh, general? there's definitely signs of scorch yeah. around the place yeah. Yeah. Uh, and wilting. Mm. A lot of things are limp. A lot of mm. my ripsalis baskets look like they could do with another size pot or mm. a seaweed drink mm. uh, when I feel like it. But it's a great time for bug hunting. Mm. The, the gums are flowering and bringing in the birds. Because it's so hot, the birds are often down at ground level. So I've been yeah, getting out noticing. in the hottest part of the day and looking for for the different birds and topping up bird baths. Mm, and even yeah, on the ground, yeah, there's a lot of yeah. little birds yeah. and also, of course, reptiles. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's nice actually when I walk my dog in the mornings, I see people putting out little bowls of water out the front. And, you know, I love to see that, that people are trying and putting mm. water out for the for the animals, you know. Well, we we can Bless stop worrying about us a little bit and worry about Care the other about things. Animals yeah, because, observe. Yeah, we can't explain to them. And you said you saw something green and shimmery fly. I did. I did. Oh. I don't know what it was, but my eye, because of Faye, everyone, I when I see anything uh, bug-like that moves, I my eye zooms in on it. And I was actually sitting on some grass and I saw something very metallic and I watched it for a couple of, well, I was trying to keep up with it and then it took off again. Mm. Yeah. And then you posted the, the cuckoo. Cuckoo, cuckoo wasp. Cuckoo. Yes. Wasp. And that. That is a very large wasp, How this big? particular one. Uh, what's that, two centimetres? Oh, good, at least. Which is, yeah. yeah. And so it fills the inside of an Ilyari gum flower, which is yeah. where I found it. Mm. But metallic, large, uh, bluey green, shimmers yeah. in the light. Like it could be a brooch if it yeah, wasn't actually, a beetle. it does look uh, like a brooch. It wasn't That's a, a good wasp. way of describing it. And, of course, it it's there... Uh, collecting nectar and pollen hmm. or feeding on the plant and it is a parasitoid so hmm. it actually lays she lays her eggs in the nest of a mud wasp hmm. so we do have a lot of mud mud wasps around our house building on our walls I a couple that. of them a lot so hmm. they collect the mud they seal it with a paralyzed caterpillar inside and this cuckoo wasp comes along and while the mud wasp is out doing her thing the cuckoo wasp lays an egg in the existing nest and then the mud wasp comes back finish its work seals it up and lo and behold what hatches out will be a cuckoo wasp not the original mud wasp Mm. it's fascinating Mm. and so a lot of people might Fear, dread when they think of the word wasp, but many mm. of these are solitary. Yeah, they're shy, so mm. they might hang around and get a fix on your face just to have a look and see who you are. Mm. But then they'll fly off again. They're mm. not aggressive. Mm. Uh, of course, don't get too close to their nest. But often there's only one of them. The closer you get, the quicker that they will fly Move away. away. Mm. Yeah, for sure. But just one of the fascinating things of nature and while I'm on that point in the same sort of vein I got a message from John Banner Savage this morning Mm -hmm. to say that he has found a mistletoe plant growing on a sandpaper wattle now what is amazing about this the the mistletoe is a, a parasite on wattle on suitable wattles so in order for the mistletoe to have emerged a mistletoe bird has come in and 
sat on the sandpaper wattle, pooped, yep. the seed has stuck, it's a suitable host tree, mistletoe starts growing. Mm. So what will happen in time, that mistletoe will flower, the mistletoe bird will come in, feast on the plant, drop more poop uh, because they have a very primitive, uh, repro- not reproductive, uh, digestive system. And once again, more mistletoes might grow. So John's question was, Mm. should he remove that? Absolutely not. This is about biodiversity Mm. and this is how we get more biodiversity. We let things happen. We monitor them. It won't necessarily kill the plant in a short time. Uh, Wattles are often quite short-lived anyway. But... Because he's he's got this extra plant there, he will get this extra bird life. But there's more than that. There is a butterfly that comes in and it lays its eggs on the mistletoe, the scarlet Jezebel butterfly, very pretty. Mm. So they can lay up to 39 eggs. Mm. I've counted them. Mm. And the caterpillars hatch out and eat the mistletoe, pupate, and then we get these beautiful butterflies. So mm. because of this one magical thing that's happening, there can be a, a host of a whole other. lot of other things. Okay. No, it's very interesting. Emma from Falcon has phoned in and she's saying, verge trees need a drink, maybe make councils aware. Mm. Well, yes, it's one of those things, isn't it? I would would think that perhaps councils will react to the climate mm. uh, just as when we talked to Eddie today, they he's going to talk about watering at Kenhurst Park, which has been increased to fortnightly rather than I think it was probably scheduled for monthly to, to combat the weather conditions. Mm. And that's what we all need to do. We need mm. to understand about the weather and the effect that it's having on the trees. If they're young trees... Certainly, they will need establishing, and that that might mm. mean more regular watering mm. as they get older. You know, I drove accidentally, missed a turn this morning, went down a wrong street, mm. and saw a large box tree dead on the corner of a street. You know, yeah. this is what we're going to be mm. facing. Mm. So, we we will talk about more yeah. of those sorts of things in yeah. time. I think, but thank you for your message. We appreciate that. Uh, we might do a couple of emails if we can. Absolutely. Whilst we have some space. Now, Kerry, your email came in last week, but we just ran out of time on the show. I'm sorry. Uh, and Kerry is responsible for the pen that I often have here that's wooden. I love that a, pen. I do too. Oh, I it's so nice to write with. I couldn't find it this morning. I put it in oh. a special place. And now, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so special you cleaned can't up. I know, I do that all the time. Yeah. So uh, the, the question is about the citrus gall wasp. I've been shaving the gall wasp things on my citrus trees for some times, as was once suggested. My neighbour tells me this doesn't work. Is this correct? Should I be doing something different instead? I read somewhere that horticultural glue is another idea. Can you suggest a good brand and where I could purchase it? Um I think the best thing that you can do is to cut the gall out. So if we go back to the beginning, the citrus gall wasp is a very tiny insect mm. that is quite prolific around some suburbs in Perth. It finds new growth of citrus, lays its egg in the stem, 
and by around April onwards, the stems start swelling. So this is where it's obvious in its current growth cycle. If you happen to have large swellings in branches and you're only just noticing them, have a closer look and see if you can see holes. So this will be a, a previous emergence. So we've had the new growth. The stems will be likely swelling, you know, April to June. And that's when this season's growth cycle is happening. Yes, you can shave them. My argument is you want your tree to produce fruit. And in order for any tree to produce good quality fruit, the stems and branches need to be healthy. If it's got citrus gall wasp in there, the nutrients are not going to flow to the fruit at the end of the stem. Mm. By shaving it, you're compromising that mm. as well. Mm. So why not cut it off before? So giving the tree a prune and chance. allowing new growth. Mm. And yes, your fruit will be compromised, but it was anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So I, I, agree I think that. that's the best answer. Mm. That way you get rid of it, mm. uh, put it into, I think they were saying, black plastic bags, leave it in the sun for a couple of weeks. Hey, if it was this week, probably three yeah. days would yeah. be enough. Half an uh, hour should do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. think about your tree prunings too. If mm. you are pruning off this sort of um, material from your trees, don't then spread it. Like, don't leave it on the verge to be collected. Deal with it yourself. Cut them out and bag them and bin them. And, you know, it goes for other pests at the moment too, which is, the, of course, the shot hole borer, yeah. which has been active. Mm. So, yes, yeah, a few things on gardeners' radars to look yeah, out for, I, isn't I, there? I say I saw deep hurt in my area this week. I'm not sure what they're up to, but they were... They were fussing around some trees, some um, young jacarandas, actually. I'm not sure what they're doing. Mm. Yeah. I need to have a ready retina list to see, yeah. you know, who's yeah. on it. Yeah. But there was hundreds of trees. So yeah. Oh, many, many trees. And they're exotic. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, you know, we need to come up with a canopy. You know, nothing has highlighted yeah. our climate mm. as much this week as, as the temperatures mm. are and they're on the radar the and are. canopies all we can do for our own livability yeah. and for the the temperature and yeah habitat and climate yeah it's all linked mental health yeah i agree so another one uh pamela from morley and she sent in a photo of a carpet of baby sunrose the succulent ah yes uh and this uh, Aptenia, I think is the botanic name. Beautiful pink flowers. Blue-banded bees love it. It's a great ground cover succulent, uh, spreading, fleshy leaves, and I believe it's edible as well. Uh, but I'd have to double-check that. And the problem here is I can see bare stems and yellowing. We Unfortunately, this is a problem of the heat. Yeah. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a canopy in this area and there is reflective heat from at least defence and possibly paving as well. So, you know, it's it's cooking. Yeah. So as much as it is a succulent, uh, we can't expect them to do... Miraculous things. Mm. Yeah, it's very difficult. I've noticed with trees, you know, dropping leaves and... 
it's stress, you know. And uh, oh, and the autumn. I know. I've seen color. That too. I've they're seen that they're too. just going brown and dropping. Mm, I've seen things turning burgundy yeah. at the moment, but then dropping off very quickly. Mm. All right, we shall return nine four eight four one nine two seven. Curtain Radio. And yes, you are listening to Let's Talk Gardening with Faye and Ray. 22 minutes after eight, we are now crossing to our wildflower warrior, Eddie Wyon. Did I get that correct? Eddie, good morning. You're with Ray and Faye. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you so much. How are you managing with this heat? It's 22 degrees down at Denmark. Oh, are you? Oh, <laughs> He's done a runner. Oh, you dirty dog. Oh, I wish I was down there. <laughs> Beautiful. And overcast and drizzling. Oh, stop. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we actually had a lot of moisture in the air yesterday evening. There mm, was dew the on the lawn mm. and it was cool this morning. It's very strange, isn't it? Well, that's autumn weather. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. So Eddie, oh, you yeah. <laughs> you are infamous in the world of wildflowers. You're you, absolutely right. Infamous is the word. <laughs> absolutely, you. Are, I've described you as a wildflower warrior because of your um, campaigning for the rights of bushland. Excellent. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's putting it in a positive light. Unfortunately, you shouldn't have to fight for it. And one of the places that you are uh, very active or proactive, is Kenhurst Park. Now, can you tell our listeners about it? Because a lot of people yeah. wouldn't be aware of this special pocket of bushland. Correct. It is in the city of Melville and Melville's best-kept secret. Mm. And it is that way because it is locked away yeah. because it contains some very special fauna. Yeah. And um, the Commonwealth don't want too many people to know about it, but we do lead guided walks there pretty much every year, maybe twice a year. And we do run a lot of other activities. So I am the convener of the Friends of Kenners Park. We've been in existence for probably 22, 25 years. And in that time, we've done a lot of activities in conjunction with the City of Melville, such as rubbish removal, planting, documenting species, and just getting people to know a lot more about it and love it and treasure it. Yeah. And 350 species of wildflowers are red. About that, yes. Um, that was documented by the Wildflower Society when they did the survey probably 20-odd years ago. Mm, I wonder if that has changed. Look, things do change. We are getting a lot hotter weather, and there have been some periods, including probably 10, 12 years ago when Row Highway was being built, there was a period of very, very hot weather, similar to what we've had over the last couple of weeks, when half the benches in the park actually died sort mm. of overnight. Yeah. We haven't had that yet this year, but it does affect what we do with our revegetation planting, very much so. So, what's... so we've seen climate change with reduced rainfall in winter and much hotter days with less rainfall, even in summer through thunderstorms and, and cyclones, that our plants are much more stressed and our reveg planting is really struggling. Mm. It's hard, isn't it? Well, uh, why, why you're here at the moment is because I got the email uh, reminding people that there is actually a watering roster for the park and people can get involved. Have you had a good uptake on that? Uh, look, it's been a regular bunch of, a small bunch of volunteers, thank goodness. So 
We started watering in Kenners Park for our reveg probably five years ago, and it was very hit and miss, maybe only once or twice after planting, because all we had was a, a City of Melville tanker and one hose. Mm. And we, we still got a lot of death. It made some difference. certainly could see the difference. But we still were getting deaths. So last year, we, with the help of a very smart farmer-come-volunteer, Bruce Ivers, installed two irrigation pipelines, which are 75 millimetres in diameter, and they have 10 or 12 offtakes at every 50 metres or so. Yeah, that's so we are able like to attach garden hoses to mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. with a watering wand, so you don't have to bend down. All you have to do is squirt the base of the plant and it's attached to a tanker with a pump, and you turn the pump on and the water comes out, and you can have six or ten people watering at once. Mm, and that's fantastic. So, so we typically get six to seven people now come on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning at 8 o'clock, mm. and initially it took us two and a half hours, but once we got the routine, it's now down to an hour and a half. How and big is Kenhurst Park? Kenner's Park itself is split into two by the railway line, and that's another big problem. We love the duplication of the Thornley-Coburn line, but it's made access much more difficult. In fact, in some areas, we can't get to anymore, and we're having to work around that. But Kenner's Park, with the two areas, is about 54 hectares. Oh, okay. So it's as big as King's Park. Yeah. As big as King's Park. People would... Yeah. Drive past it not and be none the wiser. Correct, they would not. Except when they drove along Row Highway, they say bushland on their south side, and that is all Kenner's Park. And it looks brilliant. There is a fence there, but it looks in reasonable condition from that drive, actually. Yes. So what are some of the special plants in there? Well, I can't tell you that. <laughs> I have to kill you. It's actually yeah. illegal because... Uh, this is true. We, we, we knew that you're not supposed to tell people specifically where threatened species are because particularly with orchids, and we are yeah. talking orchid here, there uh-huh. is a history of people going to these places and digging them up. Mm. Albany, for example, has a history of the Queen of Sheba being dug up. Yeah, yeah. And so you're not actually allowed to tell people where threatened species are. And recently, this, this is very strange, a professional botanist who is doing a survey for a proponent to write an environmental impact assessment report, was threatened with not disclosing what she found, Mm. even though the assessing parties need to know what's there. And these documents have to become public because people can make submissions on them. So there is currently a tension between one government's law and another government law. Mm. And this is a worry. But, look, I can understand why, because... Orchids are so special that people will dig them up. They command big money on, on the international trade. And people don't realise either that digging up orchids, which is orchids, they mostly die. I was going Once to say, it's, it, that's what's going to happen. So it's right. defeating the, the yes, purpose of what yes, they're up to yes, because yes, they're specialists. Yes, yes. They, you know, there'd that's only right. be select people that would be able to manage them. But there are many... All right, let's not talk about the, the endangered one. Uh, <laughs> But all, all the other special orchids. Yes, Kenner's Park does have quite a few other orchids, uh, spider orchids, um, sun orchids, greenhood orchids. And, you know, we, when we do go for walks, we show people these 
and they love taking photographs, and they're all over the park. I mean, people say, where should you go for, to look at orchids? Well, there's no one special place. WA has so many species of orchids, and I recently got asked by a potential visitor from Victoria, where would you recommend I go to look at orchids? Well, goodness me, it's like saying, where do you go to look at fancy houses on the Swan River? Mm. Well, you know, you go there and you just look. Everywhere. Because they are just mm. about everywhere. Mm. Okay, you have to go in the right season, mm. and you have to be careful, and you have to have your eyes about you. But Perth is a hot spot for orchids. I mean, I know Alex George, who lived, who's now 90. He used to live, well, he lives in, in Cardinia. He's lived there all his life, and before... It was all bushland. And he used to go for walks in the Cardinia and Melville and Applecross bushland. And it was a haven for orchids, he said. Yep. Absolutely a haven. Mm-hmm. Well, now all you've got is Kenner's Park. Wireless Hill, as you know, is a, is a perfect spot for orchids. We lead walks there every spring, first Sunday in spring. And we have hundreds of people come on those walks. And we show them the bee orchid, the, um, the, um, the ballerina orchid. Um, and and the, the rattlebeak orchid, the donkeys and have barriers there to stop people walking in because they just are so popular. They threaten them just by walking to photograph them. Mm. Yeah. So, so so too much walking is a threat as well. Mm. Oh, it's yes. Wireless Hill Park is just amazing. They're just everywhere. But even in Kings Park, you can wander around some of the the walkways and. Exactly. They're there. Exactly. Mm. So that's what I'm saying. They're, they're everywhere. You just can't say to people, go here, there or other places. Though I do say, well, go to Wireless Hill. Yes. That is, a, that is a renowned place. Go to Kings Park. Just go for a walk there. You're sure to see some orchids. But other things that are special in Kenner's Park is we have some ancient trickle bark, which is Eucalyptus Todtiana. And there's one grove that's on top of a hill, which we often go to, and those trees there must be 400 years old, I would say, because wow. there's a group of them in a circle, and they are probably all one plant, but that circle of stems is maybe 10 metres in diameter, something like that. The mm. trees are very gnarled. They have evidence of fire, but this is, a, this is just a magic spiritual place to go up and walk to. People just freak out when they go there because it is just so magical. Mm. And, and what's happening with the Wildflower Society, Eddie? What's Well, the Wildflower Society is doing very, very well. Good. We are very active. Good. And for your members' information, this is, this is very pertinent because the northern suburbs branch of our Wildflower Society, which has always been a big grower, yeah. has recently got a half-million-dollar grant wow. from Lotteries West wow. to set up a production nursery in Wanneroo. How oh, wow, that? that's fantastic. This, this, this will rival the Kings Park Nursery, absolutely. Gee whiz. So they'll be producing wildflowers like you wouldn't believe. I mean, they're always producing ones, and you can go to Lansdale at the moment. Yes. And they have regular Saturday morning sales and regular special sales, and they grow things that you can't get at other nurseries, as you, as you would know. Mm. So we recently went there personally. I've recently dug up my back lawn. It used to be a lawn and with a, a surround of natives. Our front garden's been a native garden for 20 years, but I finally took the plunge and dug up my back lawn. Still has irrigation. And I went to the northern suburbs nursery to buy plants in November, which was not a good idea. But 
I dug up the lawn. I had to do something. So I bought 100 plants, some at the Kings Park Wildflower for Sale, and they are now growing in my back lawn. I'm watering them, unfortunately. Yeah. And some I have to hand water, and about yes. 10% have died mm. because of the heat. Yeah. But some, the watering, they have quadrupled in size. Mm. Like Eremophilus and some and banksias, some big banksias, they have really grown. So I am going to have a wildflower house. <laughs> Love that. And we have we have some big hakea petiolaris, which we have red tail and carnaby's cockatoo come in at least six times a year, and eat all the nuts. They make a mess underneath, but I have the seeds propagating under my hakea, and I give those seedlings away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For yeah. other people. Yeah. We also have a Banksia menziesii in our front yard. I don't know how that germinated. It must have been a fruit that I threw out of my collecting after I had my license and it germinated. It's now 20 years old. Mm. And we have Carnaby's cockatoos come in regularly. They've probably been seven times this season. They bomb our driveway and we mm. get punctures when we drive over it. But we love having them. They are yeah. so great. Yeah, absolutely. I've just got a comment here too, Eddie, from one of our listeners, uh, Richard from West Swan. He's saying orchids have a very deep base and when people dig, they don't go down far enough and that is why the orchids die. He's absolutely right. So when Mm. there was work in Roe Highway and some of Kenhurst Park was affected, the Botanic Gardens and Parks and DBCA cooperated in translocating some of them. And th- these, were the, these were some of the special orchids. And the, the roots are about 300 millimetres long. And they go contorting around banksia roots and other roots. And they may be half a metre away from where the root enters the ground. So, yeah, yes, wow. you cannot just dig them up because you don't know where those roots are. Yeah. Well, and the, the other factor, of course, is the relationship with the mycorrhizal fungi or other plants or yeah. organisms in the soil, which is still, I guess, unknown. There you go. There you go. So sometimes Kings Park sells some orchids, like the pink fairy orchids. Yes. And sometimes there are authorised rescue digs for roads. And I have participated in some of those, as have other members of the WA Native Orchid Study and Conservation Group and the Wildflower Society. But we struggle to keep those alive in our gardens, which was which is allowed. That's perfectly allowed under licence from those authorities mm. who have been given licence per- permit to dig up and destroy the bushland. So there are rescue digs that do happen, but orchids are very difficult to keep alive. They might flower in the first year, but they are difficult to continue to grow. Oh, very, very difficult. Well, can I just share a wonderful thing that happened for me last year? We were getting ready for a wedding. Actually, it was November the year before. And so we'd done a lot of raking of gum leaves and cleaning up like we'd never done before. Lo and behold, these leaves appeared and I watched them and watched them and guessed at what they might be. And before you know it, right right next to our driveway where cars drive, I've got large pots that had some annual flowers, violas in them. It's reticulated. There's olive trees growing. And in uh, springtime, we had pink orchid. Pink fairy orchids flower yeah. where they'd never now, flowered before. They are one of the most resilient and easily self-propagating orchids in Perth. Absolutely. Yeah, they wow. grow very, very easily. Don't know what it is. Mm. I mean, they're easier to grow than cowslips, which are even more common. But 
we can't germinate those cowslips. We can germinate the pink fairies. Oh. And the leek orchids, they just pop up as weeds oh, in my yeah. plant pots. Microtus, yes, yes, yes. But to demonstrate how um, wanted orchids are, Kings Park have a current program to propagate threatened species. I won't tell you where they are and what they are, mm-hmm. but they are very successful by doing it in the lab, by putting them in, in Petri dishes with agar and getting little corms and then putting them in seed mixes, and they can grow them by the hundreds. Mm. Last year, or it was the year before, they actually put some in the garden at Kings Park. Did you remember, did you know, that overnight 200 of those yeah. were dug up? Yeah, yeah we, just, we right. were disgusted. Mm. Mm. Wasn't that absolutely disgusting? Yeah, it's yes. cr- it, it So was that's how popular they are. Criminal, yeah. It yeah. only takes one bad apple, doesn't it? Mm. Mm. That's absolutely right. So you can understand why DBCA are now saying, well, even in the report, you can't disclose it. And I, I was currently looking at another report up in the... Um, in the Dandaragon area where a wind farm's being proposed and there's some threatened species there and I was looking to comment on the report which you can do online and I was looking at their flora survey and they listed what orchids and other species they found but when I went to the pages where they had the quadrats those pages were all blacked out yeah yeah so this is the the thing to come, I think, mm. that you're not going to be able to know exactly yes. unless you're yep. very much in the know and yeah. have permission. Yeah. yeah. Well, Eddie, I'd like to thank you for your work yes. in this field and yes. for putting putting our precious flora on the table and out there for everyone to see. And hopefully if people are interested, they can contact the Wildflower Society or, or the City of Melville and the Friends of Kenners Park or anybody that I've mentioned. Absolutely. You'd love to have them on board. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you very much for shining the spotlight. Been my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. You take care, Eddie. Right. Thank you. Bye, Bye for now. Bye. Cheers. And that was Eddie Way on our Wildflower Warrior. What a amazing man he is. And, of course, he's put out books and oh, he's, yeah, just an mm. amazing man. Now, we do have to have a break David, we know you're there. We're talk- talking about chili thrip on roses. You're up next. Bear with us. Radio. And we are back. And as promised, David, thank you for waiting. Morning, yes, David. Yeah, morning. Um, just, uh, uh, just as I said, it's a chili thrip on roses. Last year we had it as well, but we got rid of it. And it's back again. And then we don't seem to be able to get rid of it this time. Oh, it is a struggle at the moment. I, and for other people listening, if you are looking at your roses, it can actually look like burn. So at the present moment, many roses might be looking burnt and shriveled. Uh, the foliage is distorted. It could potentially be chilly thrip. Look, you know what, David, at this time of year where we're just waiting for this hot weather spell to be over and then it'll be time to do our summer prune. So, you know, perhaps I could ask you to just hold off. One of the other things that uh, you can do in the treatment of chilli thrips without using chemicals is to spray on a irregular basis. So getting out there in the hot part of the day and giving them a spritz. Now, you, you don't have to use the hose. You can use a spray bottle of water 
under and over the leaves. So if you change the environment, you will less they'll be less likely to want to breed there. The other thing is companion planting. Having plants in the garden that act as a bank for good predators. So anything that has an umble flower, Queen Anne's lace, parsley and carrots when they're flowering, anything like that provides a home for beneficial insects. White alisum has also been uh, a favourite of mine. The lacewings will lay their eggs. The lacewing larvae predate on small insects. Hoverflies, you name it. There's a whole raft of good guys out there that can help ward off chili thrips. And we've actually had less people calling us about them in recent times. Like, it's not as bad as it was, so maybe the good guys are getting active. How many roses do you have, David? Um, not only the main two out the front. Two? But, um, yeah, yeah. And, w- and what have you done in the past to...? Just um, white oil and uh, a person across the road gave us some stuff, but I can't remember what it was, and that seemed to get rid of them. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I know it's heat um, because of the uh, even our uh, uh, traniums of a um, few of our traniums died off because of the heat. Mm. Yeah, I think as gardeners, we've just got to hang in there this week. Do you what we can. Be spraying anything this week? Would I you? look. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know me, Ray. I yeah. wouldn't spray at all. Anyway. And I thought mm. about this during the week. Like, I feel I have a duty of care. Look, you can go to any hardware store, tell them your problem, and they'll sell you a plethora of products. Mm -hmm. It'll cost you money. Will it work? Well, if it did, it wouldn't keep coming back all the time. Mm -hmm. You'd have to nuke a lot of things in your garden because they can be on other things, chilies, Mm, etc. So if we build up our population of good guys by simply sometimes by doing nothing, you know, there's a whole lot of insects out there that are flying around at nighttime, daytime, you name it, and they they're working all the time. They're they're hunting for these little bugs, be it aphids or whatever. So I tell you what, at the um, I was going to say at the Kalamunda Garden Festival, I'm doing a talk on native bees, and one of the reasons I don't spray anything onto my roses is because we have native bees coming in and cutting leaf circles to make their nests and other bees coming in as pollinators. So there's just, there's a wonderful world. If you listen to last week's podcast, you'll hear Mel from Rewilding Suburbia. And I tell you, she is an absolute advocate for leaving the pests Mm -hmm. alone and watching what goes on. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Right. Okay. Well, stay stay the course, David. Plant more flowers, bring in more insects, and then you'll get the right ones that knock out the other ones. And definitely do the over and under watering as many times as you can throughout the day, David. Oh, yep. If okay. You Thank you. Okay. Right. Have a great day. Cheers. Okay. Let me see. I'm just looking at the time. Uh, Rosemary from Warwick. Uh, phoned in. Are nasturtiums okay to plant in blank barren areas? I think nasturtiums are fantastic. Right. And do you know, one <clears throat> popped up in my garden this way. I'm going, really? What an you optimist. know, it's 40, 40-something <laughs> degrees yeah. and the nasturtiums are starting to grow. They're fantastic gap fillers. Yeah. They will cover the ground. They'll suppress weeds. Mm. There's a range of different ones. You can get green leaf, variegated leaf. 
pretty flower colours, apricots and deep reds. I love the reds, yeah. Um, mm. The only downside I find is that where I've got nasturtiums growing, I do have the broom rape, which is a parasite that pops up in the soil. So because I believe of the it's yeah, I is think that so, right? yeah, it's a, that right? a host. But you know, I live with that. Yeah. You know, they cover blank areas in my garden, and because of them, I don't have to weed. Broom rate is that a problem in domestic, you know, suburbia gardens? Uh it can be. It can yes, be as well. Yeah, okay. but in a suburban garden, it's easier to manage because yeah. you've got less space to deal yeah, with that. Absolutely. Okay, let's go to Padbury. Liz, good morning. Hi, how are you? We're yeah, well. good, thanks, Liz. That's good. Um, yeah, just I've got some frangies that are getting a bit fallen into the power lines, um, so they've got to be cut back. How far? I mean, I'm talking really quite tall. Yes. How far can I cut them back? Ooh, uh, into the power lines, like above roof well, height. It's, yeah, not normal. Just yes, above roof height. Yeah, they are looking at. I'm looking at them now. Yeah, they are just above roof height. Okay. Um, well, you you could take a couple of metres off them, if that would help. Yep, yep. And then you... What colour? Um, oh, they were, they were pretty generic, pinky white, with a yellow centre. Mm, so okay. Were, you know, one of, the, one of the more noxious ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds very happy and healthy. Uh, yeah, you can take a couple of metres off and maybe just... Um. Thin it out, open it up a little bit, prune it so yeah. that you've got a nice shaped plant regrowing. Don't yeah. don't just lop it all yeah. over. No. Well, what time would I do that? I know they're still flowering a bit at the moment. After this heat is over, would be fine. So, and okay. if they're getting up that high into the power lines, you, yeah, you you kind of need yeah. to do it do sooner something. rather than later. Yeah, yeah that one is is quite, um, yeah. But, um, yeah, the one in the middle of the lawn is as high, but it's not an issue. It's under nothing. So, mm. But, yeah, no, that's okay. Then magic. Thank you for that. All, All right. right, Liz. <laughs> Have fun. Sounds like a big job. Okay. Oh, no, Cheers. Not really. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. And I'm going to give away something from Green Life Soil Co. This is one of John's quizzes. Now, as you already know, delivering a greener garden is Green Life's motto. And if you go to greenlifesoil.com.au, you can browse their free Perth gardening guides and downloadable resources. Whilst there, uh, we do suggest you take a look at their extensive range of products, which are specifically designed for Perth gardens. If technology is not your thing and don't do websites, you can simply visit these guys, Linda, Paul and the Green Life team at their premises Monday to Saturday. They'll assist you with all of your gardening needs. Great crew, can't recommend them highly enough. And we also suggest you browse their Facebook page too for updates. Uh, and Green Life Soil do deliver across the metro area and they also provide courtesy trailers, which I think is really, really handy. Now, you must be a Curtin FM member and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. Here's John's question if you'd like to win a $75 gift voucher. True or false? Woad, the blue dye used by the ancient Celts, was derived from a type of herb. Woad, the blue dye used by the ancient Celts, was derived from a type of herb. True or false? Give Kerry a call right now on 94841927. Good luck.
with Ray and Faye and this is Let's Talk Gardening. Now, I do think that was a really hard question uh, with regard to our Green Life Soil Co competition. Uh, We'll give it a little bit more time. I'll repeat the question for you actually and don't forget, you must be a Curtin FM member. True or false, woad, the blue dye used by the ancient Celts was derived from a type of herb. Is that true or is that false? Give us a call, 94841927. All right, Ray. Mary from Judana has sent in an email. Now, this was from last week about a hakea. She said a few days before Christmas, a thin branch of hakea lorena turned grey. The next day, the rest of it did. Gee, I, well. I certainly, yeah, some of these plants. When they go over, they. they yeah, you can, it happens really, fast. really quickly. Mm. So, hakea lorena, I have experienced a similar thing. In fact, I do. I have had not a lot of luck with some hakeas in my garden, and they are susceptible to fungal diseases. They don't like a lot of water, mm. and they do have a shallow root system. So, you know, um, actually, what we didn't get to talk to with Eddie was about a plant that he had in his garden that didn't come from this area. Came, it was a wheat belt species. He put it in his garden, and it grew much more quickly and much healthier than it would in its natural environment, Mm. but it recently died. So plants that grow quick can often die young. And if it's not not suited to our area, like often we put things in our garden and then, you know, we're watering something uh, as part of an exotic garden. Well, that's what I've got a hakea, Lorena. Yeah. yeah, but mind you, mine's powering away. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's, yeah, but it, that's it's good. getting water like everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, where I do have mine, it got very big. It split, but now I've got seedlings popping up. Yeah, so I've seen, I've seen often yours, plants yeah. do have a way of prolonging themselves yeah. or um, mm. bringing bring back. So that possibly is what it is. Um, or if it had been in a pot for a while and then planted, it may not have established well. So it's sort of um, a good reason why we might plant small plants, establish them early. But, you know, in this weather, the weather that we're having, uh, we will find new fatalities. Some species will just not tolerate the conditions that we're experiencing. But... Mary has been looking and she came across a eucalyptus vintage red. Now, I know this is one of your favourite plants, I do like him. So what Mm. can you uh, tell us about it? Well, mine's young um, and I am attracted to the round-shaped leaves, which are virtually black uh, and it's grows moderately. It's not fast-growing, but so far, so good. He seems to be managing very well and I just think from a... for me, I'm attracted to the the dark foliage and the shape of the leaves, and he's 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 powering. He's mm. beautiful, and he's coping in this heat. So, how big will he's, this one grow? Uh, they can they can grow quite tall, but I, you can maintain them as well. And, and yes. of course, in my garden, that that is something that I would need to consider. So, it can be kept to size if you want it to be. Well, she's done. And her leaves look very soft. It's not like some of the. You know, they get quite, you know, robust and uh, these are these seem to be a lot more manageable. Mm, mm. It does sound beautiful. She said mm. while checking on the internet, she came across the idea of a lignotua, 
lignotuber, which is a lifeline and can bring struggling trees back to life. So the lignotuber uh, is one of the features of our native plants. So if a fire goes through, a lignotuber can spring back to life. Right. Um, or if you cut something down to ground level, if it's damaged, something else falls on it, they can spring back to life. Mm. So, yes, it, it is a lifeline mm. and a benefit of these trees. Now, the other tree on her list is a Chinese tallow. Mm. So no, we're, we're oh, not a fan yeah, of not, Chinese not big fans. tallows. No. Invasive root systems yeah, for, for a, one. For a de- mm. a, an urban garden. So mm. there you go. I yeah. hope that has helped, Mary. The vintage red, um, when you and I were at Perth Garden Festival last year, I pointed it out to you. Oh, it was at the entrance, yes, wasn't it? Yes, Stunning. Yes. was a yeah, it's special, right? And, of course, that's coming and up again. And quite soft foliage, you know? It's yes. very different, yeah. Like it would sway. Yeah, it does. It has movement, the, and I go for that in my garden. in the breeze. And yes, the Perth Garden Festival is coming up this year uh, around Mother's Day, early May uh, again. So I put that in your in your diary. And also we've got the Kalamunda Garden Festival coming up on the 3rd of March. And and yours truly, Faya Karo, will be talking there. What are you talking about? I'm talking about... Native bees. Fancy that. So <laughs> lots of photos. Yeah. Uh, you know, there'll be the blue banded bee, the leaf cutter bees. Mm. I'll have photos of the bees that visit my bug hotels. Mm. Uh, I'll give tips on what to look for, how to see them, because I still believe that if people think they haven't got anyone visiting their bug hotel, they probably are not looking closely enough or they're just missing the action because some of the bees are tiny. And and John also had success, our researcher, when he moved his bee hotels facing... Facing the morning sun, yes, I think. Yes, facing yeah. west. west. No, sorry, pardon me, south southeast. East? East, yeah. Yeah. So That's when he had more... Location can play results. a factor. Yeah. Um, they do... Well, they certainly like protection, but away from predators as well because spiders and lizards can move in uh, as well as some very interesting wasps. So, yeah, I will talk about all the ins and outs, everything that you wanted to know. All right. Now, it looks like uh, we haven't had anyone win our Green Life Soil Co. competition. Now, you've got nothing to lose, guys. All you do have to say is true or false. Uh, give it a go. Here's the question. Woad. Now, that's spelt W-O-A-D. The blue dye used by the ancient Celts was derived from a type of herb. Is that true or is that false? If you're a Curtin FM member and you haven't won a prize in the last 28 days, give it a go. 94841927. And Gail will be back to you on the other side of this. Right, now it's 25.3 degrees and the humidity is sitting at 57%. Mostly sunny this afternoon with a maximum of 34. Overnight you can expect the minimum to be 22 and a maximum tomorrow of 43. Looking ahead to Monday, maximum of 42 and on Tuesday a maximum 39. Come Wednesday we're hoping to drop down into the high 20s. Fingers crossed that that actually happens. Uh, We're going to go... out to Lynn Chambers shortly. Uh, Gail from Mullaloo 
called in and she has 20 roses and she gave them a light prune, cut out the chili thrip, then sprayed under and over all the leaves with water and her flowers are now lovely. So that's uh, a that great... That is music to my ears. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Gail. And we have a winner of our Green Life Soil Co. $75 gift voucher. Good on you, Gary, from North Yunderup. It was a very hard question. True or false, woad, the blue dye used by the ancient Celts, was derived from a type of herd. The answer was false. Woad or... Uh, here we go. Good old, good old Don. <laughs> woad or Isitus tinctoria, either Isatus or Isitus tinctoria, is actually a member of the Brassica family. A very hard question. So well done, Gary. $75 gift voucher heading your way from Green Life Soil Co. And they're located in Middle Swan. Okay, now, oh, okay, Lynn Chambers in hospital. Can't get cool. That's sudden. Oh, okay. All right. We well, shall carry on. Let me tell you about the summer bulbs that are flowering my garden. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is, you know, what sort of sparked the idea of um, having a, a conversation. Because as I wander around the garden, I'm looking for plants that are just handling things you know really mm. powering through yeah, and the bulbs yeah. are one of them like i found this stem popped up out of the ground the other day and there's naked ladies there ray mm. is that too soon for them or who knows you know not no, uh, apparently not what triggers plants yeah. you know it's they just do what they do when the trigger is there mm. so i used to think it was autumn the cool nights they, we have had a couple of cool nights. It's also day length, isn't it? It is very much the day length. Mm. So with the shorter day length, things are triggered. So some of the autumn leaves, they've scorched on the trees. But is that coinciding with the cold night temperatures, I wonder? Or is it day length? Or is it both? It's, it's a combination. Because mm. with the Aboriginal seasons, we yeah. know that things change. And that moisture in the air... It's a change. I know we're getting these extreme hot days, uh, but we would expect to get hot days. And you know what? With a lot of lot more land clearing, mm. we will get higher temperatures. So, you know, mm. it's our impact. As gardeners, what can we do? Create your own canopies. Yeah. Create wildlife corridors. Mm. Create habitat uh, for birds, insects, everything. Make it livable. Yeah. Good information. Okay. So obviously we have a, a problem with Lynn this morning from uh, tulips with a difference. Uh, so we will power on. Uh, Paul from Mandra would like to have a chat about his roses. Okay. Paul, good morning. Oh, hello, ladies. Um, yeah, just uh, our roses have really come to a bit of a halt. I know the hot weather's probably pulling them up a bit, but yeah, we're, we're getting quite a pinched look. Um, yes. on any new growth. Yes. Um, is that more or less heat related? or? I believe it is. I, I have that too. There's Paul. there's that and chilli thrips yeah. and they can look quite the same. But mm. you know what, Paul? I, I mm. would power on regardless. Mm. I would wait for this hot weather to be over. Then I would do my summer prune and I would feed wedding agent mulch. Like give it a week or two. You know, I'm actually itching for these hot days on the on the radar to be gone, and then I'll mm. be on to it. Because with the the slight cooler night, I can see 
some of the plants are actually standing up better already. Some mm. of the roses that have been deadheaded are putting on a little bit new growth. Like some of the plants are actually okay with it. Yeah, well, we had like the, anything that would made me thought it must be the uh, the heat side of it because we've got some that are in a little bit more shaded than full exposure, and and they seem to be coping a little bit better. But I just I, that really pinched look. Um, yeah, probably, I have it too, probably, Paul. Mm. Yeah, probably a month ago uh, things looked pretty good, um, yeah. and then probably in the last month, very little uh, new growth. Uh, the bit of new growth comes, and it's it's really pinched. Mm. Well. Yes, it's, it can be a combination. I mean, there are aphids around a bit um, on yeah. hibiscus as well. Mm-hmm. And the weevils were out last night too. So oh, okay, right. some of the sap-sucking insects can can distort and um, compromise the blooms. That The combination of 43-degree days... Uh, if they're in an area where they're getting reflective heat from paving or fences or if the ground isn't mulched, you know, the ground can just, it can be cooking. It's yes. it's so harsh. I mean, if we were standing out there in that sort of environment for 10 minutes, we wouldn't be flowering. We, we would be sunburnt. Mm. Yeah, no, true. That's true. Mm. No, that's fine. No, there is a little, there's odd leaves that have just gone brown, so I assume yep. that's just the heat. Yeah, burn. And, uh, the, the, sorry, and burning. Yeah, the uh, strip that you talk about. What is it? Is it like a mite or something you can see? Or it is. You can see it if you've got white paper and a magnifying glass. Um, right. They are very, very tiny, and what you'll notice is is shriveled, distorted leaves, sometimes with browning marks. Um, right. But they are less prevalent than what they were a couple of years ago. Mm, and right. my my thoughts are that uh, by us doing nothing, we keep the good guys in the garden, which yes. have perhaps come to recognise what these pests are and things have come back into balance. A few years ago, the potato tomato salad was a terrible pest, but we rarely hear about that now. Mm. So, okay. you know, integrated pest management is about... Uh, letting the garden look after itself a bit yes. and creating an environment for for good insects to harbour and complete their life cycle. And, of course, the pests that we have are food for these good guys. So sometimes oh, okay. there's a lag time between when the pest appears, for example, aphids, and but once you've got that population build-up, then you get the predators come in. And those are things yeah. like ladybirds, uh, hoverfly larva, lacewing larva. Then you've got praying mantises and flower spiders, and it's a whole wonderful world. <laughs> and just a quick one in regards to the fertilizer side of it. Um, like years ago, I spoke to Bob from Melbourne. He was he more or less said just stick with the NPK. Any, anything else that we should look at? Uh, he, I think, the, the last time we spoke, he was talking about a slow release fertilizer that yep. he dibbed, not dibbled, dibbed into the ground about four holes around the rose bush uh, and th- yeah. he was recommending 300 grams per bush, which is a lot of fertiliser. A lot of us wouldn't use that much and would yeah. still get some good results. And yeah, okay. that that information uh, was 
put together as a podcast, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. so if you, yeah, you'll yeah. be able to re-listen to that yeah. on our on our website if you like to, Paul. But uh, he didn't do anything by halves, Bob. <laughs> no. Yeah. That he had the results. Yeah, the results. Yeah, no, appreciate that. Thanks very much, ladies. All right, you're welcome. Have a good day, Paul. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Now, let me see. Do we have a break? Not yet. Oh, not yet. We have one at twenty past. Okay. (laughs) I know it gets a bit like that. We're throwing out because we didn't get our five past nine interview. Uh, Okay, so we have Jocelyn from Inaloo about her frangipanis. Uh, good morning, Jocelyn. How's it going? I'm well, ladies. How are you? Really Very good, good thank, thank you. you. Uh, yep, go ahead. In my backyard, they're all very close, and I've decided, it, close in space, and I've decided to move the middle one before it gets too much bigger, and I was wondering what time of the year is best to move those. Transplant them, please. Okay. If you can take a lot of their root ball, I would yeah. do this um, in the shoulder season, so autumn or spring. Oh, perfect, because my timeline with the help that comes to give me with my garden, I have a, a school student who helps me with my gardening, that'll work perfect with her studies and what I've got planned for other gardening beforehand. <laughs> And I would recommend using a seaweed before and after transplanting and take yep. as much of the root ball as you can. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much. That's all I wanted to know. All right. Good luck, Jocelyn. Cheers. Have a lovely day, ladies. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. And Jan from North Yunderup, we're getting a few North Yunderup mm. listeners today, has a blueberry bush in a pot which is root bound. Can she repot and when should she prune? Uh, you prune after fruiting yeah. and give it a tidy up, cut out anything that's dead. Uh, I would do that. Look, once again, autumn is a really good time, yeah. but the main thing is don't do it in the heat of summer yeah. and probably not winter. Um, autumn and spring are just wonderful times where you can do most things safely. Seaweed before and after. It and will help with transplant She shock. also has a bottle brush in the ground. How far can she prune that back? Mm, uh, if it's not too big, I would just tip prune it. And like with a lot of things, after this hot weather is gone, I'll be out there with the secateurs just giving everything a light prune to make it bushy. If it's a tree, you know, you prune to shape or you prune to size. Mm. Otherwise, just a light trim. Cut out anything that's dead, dying, diseased mm. or sticky. Okay. All right, let's head to, uh, we're going to Butler. I'm just waiting for that call to come through, uh, talking about lemongrass. And did we talk about Gail from Mullaloo? Yes. Yes, okay. Yes, yes, I read that one out. So, and you said music to your ears. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, all right. So I'm not quite okay. We're just I'm just waiting for the calls and Kerry is doing her absolute best. Uh she's a she's a trooper. Let's go to line one. Hopefully this is Chris. Good morning. Hello. Chris, is that you? Hello. No. Is anyone there? Hello. Hello, yes. Who have we got here? I'm Diana from Menorah. Okay. Go go ahead, Diana. Yeah. Um, I've got a passion fruit vine. I put in last year, uh, was thriving, doing really well, even had a couple of smaller passion fruits. And I've just gone out 
the back now and all the leaves are falling off and it's shriveling up. Oh, okay. It's taken a hit somehow, Diana. It could have like just fried in one of those days. Is it against a hot fence or? Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It's just. It's on a, it's on a trellis, but it's still got the hot Caliban fence. Yeah. I think um, there will be a lot of casualties. And, and sometimes it's not just your side. Like if. The other side is a neighbour's and perhaps they've cut down a shrub or something that may have been protecting and shading the fence before, then yes. that could have a big impact too. So what? don't cut it down, just let it go, keep it watered and see, see if there's some seaside or something. That's That sounds great. That's exactly what I would do. Don't make any calls yet on it. Uh, yes. After this bout of hot weather when there's no more on the horizon then I would just give it a light cut back and by doing that the the plant will put energy into putting in any new growth as long as the roots are still going. Yeah. It had a lot of little sort of um, how do you say like little frondy bits coming up but the, the leaves weren't like the actual passion fruit it was almost like a sucker had quite a few of those coming up, and I've pulled those out. Yes. But um, just wait and see what happens. Yes. Yep, and that's that's going to be the case for Across a lot of gardeners board. at the yep. moment. Yep. Don't look too closely mm. until, you know, a week from now. Mm. We'll, we'll be telling a different story next Saturday. Hopefully, mm. you know, we're starting to move Turn past all this. We're praying, yeah. Yeah. No, and usually passion fruit are pretty tough, aren't they? Yep. They are, yep. All right, thank you so much. You're welcome. Good, Good luck. luck. Thank you. Bye. And Chris from Butler called in and he has lemongrass. He wants to know how tall will it grow? It can probably go to about a metre. A metre. Uh, but if it, if the clump is very big, then you can divide it. You can also cut it down to ground level and it will re-sprout. A lot of the grassy type plants, mm. you can cut at ground level. Mm. Kangaroo paws are, are a similar one. What you then need to do is go in and pull out any dead bits so that the, the plants actually have room to spread mm. and new new ones grow. Otherwise, you have to dig it up and divide it. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll be back in a moment. Nine four eight four one nine two seven. Radio in 22 minutes after nine, you are tuned to Let's Talk Gardening with Ray and Faye. Okay, where are we? Actually, we will have a chat with Kathy uh, shortly. Uh, she wants to talk about Mealybug. I know you've got a couple of emails there as well. Shall I give away something from Bigger Please Trees? do, Ray. You would like me to do that? Well, yeah. I must say... We got a gorgeous email this morning from Cheryl. Give it I'll read it out as quickly as I can and thanks for sending this in Cheryl. She just wanted to give a big thank you to uh, the gardening show and of course Bigger Trees. She said she's lucky enough to win a voucher a couple of weeks ago and had a lovely browse around the nursery. 
Things have changed since the last time she visited and she was really pleased to see the new native plant display. Yes, I agree with you, Cheryl. And she found several treasures, including a plum gorgeous, and they are gorgeous, two beautiful fuchsias, a leucodendron and much more. She can't recommend this nursery highly enough and thanks us again. Well, good on you for sending that in, Cheryl. And I think that says it all. Uh, Bigger trees this weekend, by the way, because of this heat, are only open today and tomorrow between 10 and 12, which is fair enough. If you'd like more details, please go to biggertrees.com.au. Now, here's your question, another curly question from John. You must be a Curtin FM member and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. It's the Chinese year of the dragon. So where did dragon fruit originate? (laughs) It's the Chinese year of the dragon. So where did dragon fruit originate? Give Kerry a call on 94841927 if you're clever enough to know the answer. Okay, carry on. Oh, do you want me to go to emails or will we? Okay, we, they're not phone calls, but we have um, Kathy of Bullsbrook is saying that there's a plant in the pot which has mealybug and that is very bad at the moment too. Can she remove the soil and dry in sun to reuse? She's talking about oh, the, the pot. The pot. Uh, I would drop it into a bleach solution and I would wipe the pot and even to the point of getting a cotton bud and cleaning up under the rim. Yeah, because they're little sneaky little Oh, yeah. I don't know where they come from, right? And then, yeah, you could put it in the sun to let it dry out nicely. (laughs) One day at 43 degrees. blitz it nicely, whatever's there. Well, I wouldn't trust them. Yeah, so and uh, someone else rang in wanting advice on chili thrip. Well, we have been speaking about chili thrip on and off all morning, so we hope you've been listening to that. Well, and what I could add to that is yeah. you could also put out a blue sticky trap because yeah. thrips are attracted to it. Uh, I'll just repeat, hosing, hosing or sprout, uh, spritzing, spritzing the roses over word. and under so that you're actually changing the environment that the bugs leave, like to live in. Companion planting for beneficial insects is high on my list. If you want more information uh, from people who are perhaps showing roses, then we have a podcast compilation of chili thrips available on our uh, website. You just go to Curtain Radio website Look for programs, Let's Talk Gardening, and you'll find the podcasts there. Yeah, there's a little toggle on the right-hand side and there's loads of podcasts, loads of information for you to have a listen to. And on a day like today or this weekend, why wouldn't you just sit and listen to a bit of gardening if if your fancy takes you? So other pests uh, current right now, of course, are armyworm, which has been sighted around Perth. If you suspect that you have an army worm infestation perhaps in your lawn mm. go out at night time and look for moths flying around also look for signs where the leaf has been chewed and the green is actually missing it looks like threadbare carpet so you can I've see down happen. into yeah. the pile i've had it happen um, it's pretty fast too mm, yeah it does happen very quickly mm. and it looks like someone's thrown a bucket yep. and it's browned off yep. the leaves uh, you can get a bucket of soapy water, mm. pour it onto the lawn and then uh, a, a carpet or a hessian bag or wet newspaper on top. And if there are caterpillars in there, they will come up to the surface because they can't breathe 
from the soapy dishwashing Water. detergent. Mm. Uh, and that will confirm that you've got them. And of course, then if you want to treat it, then you can go to your hardware store and they'll sell you a plethora of products to deal with your problem. Mm. Otherwise, there is a wasp. This will be another sign that you have caterpillars in your lawn. There are wasps hovering around your lawn mm. because the wasps, particular one, orchid jute wasp, lays its egg into the caterpillar and the caterpillar becomes the host for the new wasp. I've been having something flying around my lawn, but tiny. I don't know. Really okay. tiny. tiny. Well, tiny. Ray, lay on the lawn with your phone yes, and video. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we'll see We'll see what we can find. Yeah, okay. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. So now <laughs> You wouldn't a... be the only one. There's a few I... of us out there at the moment, like, actively hunting bugs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a good time, isn't it, in this heat? They like it? Yeah. Uh, you can find bugs like in the hottest part of the day. Sometimes a wasp will just be hanging on a plant, just like mm. birds are, yeah, because the you know they're yeah. trying to they're trying to survive. Mm. Okay, now we do have a winner for our bigger tree seventy five dollar gift voucher, Andrew of Beckenham. Good on you, Andrew. Very very clever. Now the question was: It's the Chinese Year of the Dragon, so where do dragon fruit originate? And Central America is the answer. And this includes countries like Guatemala, Costa Rica and El Salvador. Very good, Andrew. $75 gift voucher is yours. Do let us know what you do with it. I don't think you will be disappointed. And you certainly wouldn't be disappointed if you went to Green Life Soil as well. So two great uh, companies that offer their services to us each week by way of giving away a gorgeous gift voucher to our listeners. Uh, cannot go wrong with Bigger Trees or Green Life. So we thank them both. My heart goes out to all the nursery oh. industry at the present oh, moment. Yes. I I struggled to get uh, replies for guests for the show, Ray, because yeah, our nursery battling. people are mm. they're on the ground. They're monitoring their watering systems. They're uh, well, as I know, said to you off air, I went into time. the local green shed uh, mainly because I haven't been to any nurseries or anywhere for the last few weeks. Understandably, I go underground. The only things I come out for is my animals and my garden. Uh, and I was, yeah, not surprised. There was a lot of carnage there and mm. there was a lot of dead stuff or nearly dead stuff being piled onto plant trolleys and things were not looking good at all. And you just think it's you and in your garden and you live mm. in your little bubble and then you go out and see it. And I'm, I certainly I see it as I'm walking my animal in the morning, but I'm not travelling very far at the minute. And when, yeah. when I saw it the other day, I thought, yeah, these guys are battling. Well, yeah. And as you say, in all your wholesale nurseries and, oh, yeah, imagine what they're going through at the moment. And water just doesn't yeah. do it all, no. you know. We, we can do our best. But, mm. yeah, sorry, I'm sure there'll be some horror stories out coming, there. Coming up soon, mm. yeah, yeah, expected. And you know what? We have to be more resilient. We have to learn lessons from what we're experiencing now and mm. we can plan ahead. So mm. in the face of uh, losses, to us all. Mm. We, can, we can have uh, potential opportunities for mm. new things. Yeah. We can do it better with what we've learned. Now, Deb has sent us an email and a photo of a caterpillar and she was sitting having a drink the afternoon and her husband felt a critter making its way up his t-shirt she quickly popped him on a piece of paper towel for a photo shoot good on you deb my kind of girl any clues to what it is and how much he will eat in my garden well i got a 
a reply from Paul Kay, the mm. Mothman, and he said it's one of the so-called army worms, a noctuid species of moth that feed on a variety of vegetation in farming, production and gardens. But you know what, Deb? This looks to be a mature size. Well, it looks very big in the pictures. It, it's hard it to does. say. It and does. I it's saw hard something to see like scale. that once and I remember mm. telling you about it. And he was about that long. How, how long is that? And, yeah, and you said that's highly unusual. And I said, well, I saw it. it and it was looked exactly like that. It looks like a stick. Well, mm. the one you're describing, I think, was the gum snout moth caterpillar. And on, on a stick... Mm. You almost can't see it. It's absolutely camouflage. But this one, um, yeah, it's hard to see the scale and the size it is. Mm. But it has probably completed its eating cycle and it's ready to pupate. So, you know, what I would do, I would save it. I would find some leaves from your vegetable garden. I'd put it in a container with air holes. I'd watch it pupate, although... I think she put it back into a garden, though. Yeah, I have done it once before, but you actually had to have a plant pot with soil in it because some of them pupate in the ground. Mm. So give it a plant with a pot and see if if you can watch it hatch out. And then we can determine exactly which moth species it is. That's mm. how you do it. But I think she let him go back in the garden. Yeah. Because she wanted to know And you know what? Much. It could end up as a host for another insect mm. or food for the birds. Okay. Or wasp. A wasp might take it, paralyse it and put it in its mud nest. Okay. All right. We're in Hammersley. Gail, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Good, thank good. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, I... At the front of my place, it's council ground, but they don't really look after it. But there's quite a number of grass trees growing there. And I've got one at the front of my place that doesn't look very well. And I've noticed that about 50 metres past my place, outside another house, one has died. And I'd really like to say that I've been putting water on it, but I'm not sure that that's the answer. No, it's it is really hard to know, Gail. Um, sometimes you will lose them suddenly, and there's nothing you can do. Uh, what if you think it's not looking well? It yes. is probably only a short matter of time before oh, okay. it happens one way or the other. If you go to the grass tree and go to the centre of the new growth mm-hmm. and try and pluck out one of the leaves if it comes out easily it's too late to do anything because they can rot inside um i think it's a fungal disease but they're prone to die back they don't like changes of conditions they have a very shallow root system if there has been any disturbance if a tree has bumped it Mm -hmm. there's no coming back from it um Mm -hmm. but you don't you don't want to change the conditions too much. So if it had survived on no water previously, oh, okay, mm-hmm. giving it don't... water might not necessarily help. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. What else can I say? Go and have a close look at the leaves. Look for any sign of mealybug down in the centre or scale. Um. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, just, 
I don't think there's much you can do unless we can work out what the problem is. Okay. All right. Well, thanks anyway. That's, um, yeah. It, it gives you something to look at and then we go from there. Okay. All right. Thank you okay. very much. Thanks, Gail. Bye. Bye. I just adore my grass trees as well. Mm. Yeah. They're not easy. Well, I've lost three, mm. like, just suddenly. One, I know what the problem was, and that was it. there's a, a big tree next to it, hibiscus tiliasis, that when it loses its leaves, it was also growing over the top of the grass tree. So having debris dropping down into it, it just it got too clustered and, yeah, it it died suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um, I also turned water off in that garden bed because I had a leaky pipe. So it changed to the watering. And another one I lost is where a water tank was installed that overflows weekly and too much water. So this is why I say, you know, changes to watering can have a, an effect. Devastating yeah. effect. And of course, it. the 43 degree days, reflective heat, works around it. You know, there's there's a lot of factors that impact everything we do. And have you caught up on your emails, young lady? Ah, one more to go. More. And this has come in from Brenda. And it is uh, a thank you for the show. I love it. I have two jasmines in large pots that are not producing flowers and something has happened to the leaves. And the photo is uh, scorched leaves. So the fact that it's not flowering... Uh, a lot of things are not flowering now. They're just in survival mode and that is suffering. It's burnt. It's yeah. it's probably, yeah, copping the full sun. Mm. Don't expect too much from some of your plants now. No. Make sure that their roots are getting the moisture that they mm. need and that their roots are protected. So mulch, uh, wetting agent, but not on the hottest days. And... I would say another couple of weeks and start feeding it. So mm. a complete mm. fertilizer for flowering and fruiting plants. And on that note, I'm I'm itching to get fertilizing because yeah. there are some plants that I can see are getting going. Getting ready. I've got my yucca flowering. Mm-hmm. I've also got um, oh what else was I going to say? Clivia's spot flowering, and of course they're coming up to a flowering time. So. You know, after this hot weather is over, I'm ready to start feeding them. They uh, like a feed in Feb. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm. French panties, they could do with a bit of a boost. It wouldn't Shush hurt up. them. Yeah. Uh, something, you know, to encourage flowering on ones that haven't flowered. The canners are going gangbusters. They are. They just, they yeah. look stunning, Ray. I've got one in my mm. hothouse and I actually took photos of the leaves last night. Perfect leaves. The plant is as tall as me. Mm. The flowers are magnificent. And in your hothouse, wow. In my hothouse, mm. in a tub of water. Yeah. So I just uh, some it's of my, one of the easiest ways to grow things. Some of Put plants in water. Yeah, yeah. Well they like to be in water, don't they? They do. That's their And uh, I have aroids flowering. Do and you? They have the most some of them have the most beautiful spadics and spades. So mm. this is my uh, I think it's a crocodile. Narrow is the variety of aroid, and yeah, it's a wavy leaf. Ah, yes, but I know. the the like sp- crocodile tooth. Yeah, yeah, yes. The spadix uh, is rounded and reddish with a white centre. Oh wow! 
Okay. Stunning. Yeah. Mm. Okay. We're ready to take your calls, 94841927. And you can email us as well by going to gardening at curtainfm.com.au. What's that you brought in today? That is the Ilyari flowering gum. Uh-huh. And I nearly brought you some of my pink flowering gum, but there's only a few flowers down low, and that's where I hunt for native bees and bugs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I couldn't pick that. I'm sorry. That's all but right, there mate. are so many gums flowering at the moment the white mary the pink mary has finished these ill yarries on my verge are going gangbusters so we get the red tail cockies come in daily mm-hmm. uh the red cat parrots mm-hmm. many little birds this is where i found the cuckoo wasp there is some native bees it's it's just a magnet for insects and it was the ill yarry gum that I found one of the special flies and I discovered lecking behaviour. So a leck is where the males fly up the trunk, round in a circle, they double back and fly again. So they're showing off to the Mm. females Mm. looking for a mate. And that was the Midas flies, I think, from many years ago. Okay, we shall return. Curtain Radio And we hope you're having a good morning so far and you've sort of buckled down for the weekend and, yeah, get yourself sorted and your garden sorted, your animals sorted. Yes, I can't sugarcoat the weather anymore, Ray. I know you've tried the last few weeks. Yeah, it's here with us for another week, folks. I thought we would have turned that corner. I've had the, the cooler nights, well, one of them, and the moisture in the air, which is, you know, it... It's refreshing. It sort of powers you on a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. A bit of a reprieve yesterday was heaven, absolutely mm. heaven. So, Mind you, it was hot in the house. I was very very hot in the house, cooler yeah. outside. Yes. When I came in the house, I thought, yeah, I felt it was very sultry. Yeah. Well, the, the, the houses heat up, don't they? They hold heat mm. in their bricks and takes a while for the houses to cool down. Yeah, yes. that's what I find. Okay, 94841927 is our number. This magazine, what would you want to talk about? Well... Oh, Fayakaro. Have a bit of a brag. But go on, go on. It's time for you <laughs> well, to do it. Well, I've told you about the story where we went to Cojan Up and I did a couple of talks down there when they had their show last year and we stumbled across a garden. This sign on the side of the road that said open garden. Well, the car just took a turn and off it went. And April and I came across this amazing garden. Yes. I mean, there are other amazing gardens in Cojan Up too, but this one. It ticked a lot of boxes. Um, it was it was colourful. It was water wise. So yeah, there's a very... lot of lessons to be learnt here. Mm. And when I spoke to Mary about her garden, we spoke to her on the show, and we learnt a lot more about her ethos, her water saving uh, practices, and also her artwork because she. Well, I can only describe her as an artist. The The cover shows a mosaic pathway leading to a red wrought iron painted seat and a sculpture on the left, rusty planters, which are, you know, repurposed materials and a collection of succulents and gums. And the more you walked around this garden, the more colour you saw, the use of colour, yellows and reds and It was just beautiful and the plant selection and the way it came about because her son had collected succulents and cactus 
and he was working away. So he just landed at her place one day with the trailer load of plants Mm. and dumped them there. So, you know, many years on, the creation of this garden really is something special. So if people want to see this, how Mm. do they... Well, it's, it's the Garden Clubs of Australia magazine, so you can go to their website and order. order you it. can subscribe. Right. So the Our Gardens magazine is published by the Garden Clubs of Australia, and this is actually the 100th edition, and it arrived in the mail just over a week ago. So I was pretty chuffed to see my photo on the front cover of the magazine. Well, you're a very good photographer, of course. Oh, well. So a lot of people may not know that about you, but you uh, excel in photography. Now, John came in on the break and someone was not happy with our answer with regard to where the dragon fruit originates. So John has asked if you could call us back. He wanted to speak to you. Uh, if you can give us a call back on 94841927. And he will have a chat with you about that. Uh, so yeah, we're acknowledging that you weren't happy with uh, the well, answer. and that the the, the t- caller the- may have been correct in their answer. Yeah, so. and it's just where we've sourced the information as well, and what we're following versus versus that. So this can happen, not deliberate. Okay, you know, um, it's it's a little bit quiet. I think it's time for a little bit of Elvis. Oh yeah. Well, we like us a little bit of Elvis. Any, oh, we any do. day of the week, any time. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that. One night. One night. One night. <laughs> um, a couple of emails came in, Ray, while we were listening to Elvis. Mm-hmm. And this one is from Peter. And he said, I understand you like photographing fungi. And that's true. And there's a couple around at the moment. I think that bout of rain that we got probably a month ago spurred them on. And some of the puff balls have started coming up out of the ground. Mm. They take quite a while to develop. So there's the dog poo fungus. Yep. And it looks very much like that. Yeah. And also sclerodermas, which are puff balls. And thank you for the photo, Peter. It actually looks like a skeleton coming out. It does. Up out it looks like grass. a skeleton head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and the other photo uh, has come in from Vicky of Mandra. She said, "I just found this." caterpillar on my peperomia and wondering if it will become a butterfly if I leave him alone well yes a caterpillar will well actually it won't become a butterfly this one will, will become a moth and it looks like one of the cluster caterpillars so yeah, I, I would relocate it I think they would make fantastic bird food I was going to say throw it to the birds yeah. if you, you can you don't want to encourage that I wouldn't mm. hurt it but mm. I would move it on okay we're going to have a short break Deborah. we know you're there we will be chatting to you on the other side of this Curtain Radio and thanks for your company this morning we appreciate it you're tuned to Let's Talk Gardening we're going straight out to the lines we're in Jandicott Deborah, how are you? Oh, I'm really good, thank you. How can we help you, Deborah? Oh, well, I'm in Jandicott where it's absolutely, the soil's wonderful, not. It's good for drainage. (laughs) (laughs) I've actually um, gutted my whole front garden. I took out the lawn one night and all I have now is a naked purple lady sitting in a corner. (laughs) 
surrounded by a few green, um, like limey things, and I'm I'm just finding that they're the only thing that actually looks green in the garden. Oh, it sounds like possibly a lamandra. Yes. Which yes, native grasses are often native yes. to the east coast, but yes, they are hardy and they will survive even without water. Oh, I'm just so grateful for that. Um, <laughs> The lawn was yuck, so yeah, so anyway, I put my big girl pants on and um, I've taken all the lawn out and I have a nice um, Japanese maple in a pot, but I'm just wondering if I could put that in the centre of the front garden. I don't don't think so. so. I think it would struggle. I think the benefit of it being in a pot is you can move it around. Put it, yeah, put it in an area that it likes away from winds. Um, They're a cool climate tree, and given the the weather conditions this month, I think it would fry in the centre of a verge garden. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So then I need something little. I don't want a big tree. Oh. You know, you have a wonderful so opportunity. Yeah, yeah. You've already got lamandras there. So yeah. why not go with, you know, the theme of green and native and look yeah. for hardy plants. You could get a couple of small flowering gums that would bring in the birds and they will bring you, a, they start to give a canopy to the garden. Which, the carimbias? Oh, carimbias yeah. would be lovely. Yeah, um, nice, the mallies. Yeah. Um, oh, there, there are many choices. And in the next couple of weeks, this is a topic that I would like to discuss. Yeah. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I might tune in then. Yes. Lot, I, I think I could see a native garden developing out there for you. <laughs> oh, honestly, something needs to develop. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, keep listening. All right. Thanks, lady. All okay. Right. Thanks, Deborah. Bye, Deborah. Enjoy. Bye. And let's go from Jandicott to Craigie. Good morning, Terry. How are you? Hello, ladies. How's it going? We're yeah, well. good. Thanks, Terry. Okay, I just wanted to ring up to say that um, I phoned you up last year, and I had a, I, I needed to know how to germinate some plantar seeds. I've never done it before. Followed your instructions. I ended up scoring about nine out of maybe half of what I put in the ground um, in pots had popped up. So I got about nine. They're about maybe two inches tall, and they're looking fine. The the tree that I got the seeds from, it's flowering again, and the seeds are popping. So my question really is, what's the shelf life of these things? Because only half of these seeds popped up. And I've had it for maybe five years. I only just stumbled across these things last year. And I'm, I think I remember sweeping them off the ground maybe five years ago. Right, so, okay. Well, it might be a bit of an unknown. I would have to get John to do some research to find the answer. Some plants don't germinate at the same time the seeds are produced and others um, can live for 100 years. So I'm not sure if anyone's done the research on that. But the other thing uh, about ponytails, which they're not a palm, they're a, a ponytail plant, or probably more of a grass, called Bocarnaria. And these are one of the plants growing at the moment that do not show any signs of sunburn. So you, they will survive no. on no water. They look as good in winter as they do in summer all year round. So a great water-wise hardy plant and pretty when they flower. 
Yeah, they're, and they're quite a big flower. They're like nearly three foot long, and yeah. they're like stunning. Color. Yep, mm. yep. Well, thanks for your feedback, Terry, and we'll see if we can find yeah, out about no, the shelf life. Pleased. I had success, and I was quite pleased. I just want to let you know that. That's all. Well, Good on you. we've done something right. Thank you. <laughs> hey, yeah. And so have I. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Well done. Thanks, ladies. Have a good day. You okay. Too. Okay, and you received an email as yes, well. Yes, Gail has sent in photos of her grass tree, and yeah. yes, it doesn't, doesn't look very happy. Uh you know, what I can see, Gail, is all that debris sitting in the top of the grass tree. They don't like it. Mm. You can see that the gum tree is hanging over. And this is where I know I've lost grass trees. Um, From this. What, one example was a weed wattle that we had growing that grew very big and took over a grass tree. Like it just hung over the top and it dropped down into the plant itself. And... They don't like it, you know. Um, it it changes the environment. Um, it's unhygienic. It can harbour insects and hold moisture. So I would cut that gum tree back so it's not hanging over the top, because there are. It looks like um, they're big gum nuts, big honky nuts. So they possibly are dropping seed, and. I would, yeah, I would cut it back so there's nothing overhanging the grass tree and I would get the leaves out. Get a rake, like a nail rake, the metal one, and just rake the leaves out and clean the top of that plant. Pour them out, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, in doing that, you might see something else in there. You could, if you want, get some, um, get a hedge pruner or long-handled shears and, and tidy it up. But the right side looks good and green. So, yeah, good luck. Yeah, okay. They're a finicky thing. Yeah, they certainly are. All right, our work is done. Thank you, Faya Caro. Do you want me to just give you a rundown of what's coming up in the next Please couple do. of weeks? Okay. Please do. So next weekend we have Nikki Waters, and Love she is her. the queen of indoor plants. She is. She has given us a lot of information mm. uh, and, and tips about how to get better growing environments in hot houses with airflow and misters. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the following week, we have Mark Tuchek from Tuckerbush and Mark. Kevin from Chittering Worm Farm. Oh, so. we love Kevin as well. Yeah. <laughs> yep. okay. So I've been busy behind the scenes. Got some great guests lined up. All right. Look, it's been a great morning. And I just want to thank Kerry Mason for jumping in at the deep end. She's done an absolute sterling job, as always, our John Glidden does a sterling job too where would we be without you john okay it's uh i can do my gardenism this morning i actually have time i haven't had time the last few weeks i've got one more quick announcement go ahead oh big congratulations to andrew and mandy from calamunda garden festival on the arrival of their baby boy elliot yeah i love that name elliot yeah no congratulations guys yeah and, uh, very pleased and timely to have it born now and <laughs> big, oh they'll be back on the horse they, so they'll be straight back on the horse from for the third of uh, march i have no doubt all right uh stay tuned for jim crinan coming up next with the classic 60s and my gardenism is i have found through years of practice that people garden in order to make something grow to interact with nature to share to find sanctuary to heal to honor the earth to leave a mark 
Through gardening, we feel whole as we make our personal work of art upon our land. Mm. We'll leave you with that. We know it's really tough out there, guys. Look after yourselves with these uh, high temps that are forecasted across the next few days. And we look forward to speaking to you again next Saturday. Happy gardening, everyone. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.